0: and this is Justin if you don't know and we decided to give Wayne a little break today and we're just going to do the first set of music so stand on up and help me out because I'm only one person I need all your voices brings our chaos back into order, who makes the orphan a son and daughter, the King of glory, the King of glory, who rules the nations with truth and justice, shines like the sun in all of its brilliance, the King of glory, the King above. With breath that brings the dead to life With words that pierce the dark with light
1: At this time, let's continue in attitude of worship as we receive God's tithe and our offering. Lord, Father, we just thank you that um, we give to you our hearts. And um, we just ask that you do speak to us those words that are truth. And so, God, during this time, we want to continue in worship and giving back to you in, uh, in form of your tithe and our offerings. And, God, we, we don't do that to keep that here or to make... Um, make us look good. We do it for the glory that that you are and that you are to this world. So God, multiply and use these gifts to further your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Alright, at this time, I'm going to have the uh, Sunday school, if they're still in here, stay put. Um, We're going to go ahead and have a baptism today. Sound good? You guys like when I get hold of the babies? So I'm going to ask Debbie to come up as our lead leader, and also the parents of Harper Lynn Aarons, right? There we go. And any godparents that are with you, they can come up too. And you guys can spread out over here. And people see you. You guys can stay closely. You just want to see her. Hey, beautiful. I was talking to you, Matt. So. So. <laughs> you thought that was funny, too, didn't you? So. All right. All right. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we personally and together acknowledge God's saving grace, uh, the saving grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. This saving grace is what we call salvation, And it's God's gift to us. Yes, it's offered without a price. Through baptism, though, we are identified with Christ and his church and incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation. The water that we use symbolizes washing and cleansing, for in Christ we are made pure from sin. The water serves as a sign, as was circumcision in the Old Testament, of entering into a covenant of faith. Children are a gift of God, and as Psalm 127 says, sons are a heritage from the Lord, and children are a reward from him. As believers, we are called to recognize that children belong first and foremost to God, and God in His goodness gives children as gifts to parents. They not only have the awesome responsibility of caring for this gift, but also the wonderful privilege of enjoying this gift because children... Did she say, yeah, yeah, did you hear that? Um, so, <laughs> right? It's the uh, first time I've ever had somebody on cue go for that. So, Because, because children belong to God and are given... By grace as gift to parents, it's only proper that and appropriate that children be dedicated back to God. Debbie?
2: We are told in 1 Samuel 1 that Hannah presented her son Samuel to the Lord. In Luke 2.22, we read that Mary and Joseph brought their baby Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem in order to present him before the Lord. In the same way, Matthew and Missy, along with godparents David and Brenda and Kenneth and Robin, Today bring their daughter Harper Lynn Arentz, presenting first themselves and ultimately Harper before the Lord our God. We are here today to recognize as the body of Christ, Harper being brought by her parents and godparents to be baptized. As the family of God, we recognize God's love that is already at work in their lives. We pray for the day when Harper will mature and respond to the saving grace of God, accepting Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior and pledge herself to a life of faithful discipleship.
1: Okay, bow with me for a blessing. Lord God, Father, we ask now that you look upon your church and unseal for us the fountain of baptism. By the power of your Holy Spirit, bless this gift of water. Bless Harper who receives it, so that through the sacrament of baptism, your Holy Spirit will protect and guide her in her journey with Christ. Amen. All right. All right, so here we go. Um, Matthew and Missy and godparents David and Brenda and Kenneth and Robin, as members of the covenant community of God through your faith of your own confession of Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, will you nurture Harper in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example, she may be guided go- to accept God's grace for herself and to profess her faith openly and lead to a Christian life. If you do so, say, we will. Okay, good. Debbie?
2: And to the covenant community of faith gathered here, will you surround Harper before you with a community of love and forgiveness that she may grow in her trust of God?
1: Okay, now now that you've said everything, I'm going to tell you what you did, okay? Um, it's kind of wrong, but that's what we do. Um, so, but basically, what, what we're saying here is that, that we recognize that God gave a gift in Harper to this family, okay? Um, and so, what we do is we say that we, we want to go ahead and set them apart, back, give them back to God, okay, and just as a a moment of that. Now, some of us may come from a tradition where we don't baptize until it's a profession of faith. That's okay. Don't get upset, okay? Um, There's others that come from a dedication. That's okay? Here we do dry cleaning and rinse cycle. It's okay. It's not about what we're doing. It's not about what we're doing at all. It's all about what God's doing in her life, right? And I think a lot of times we in the church get so caught up in what we're doing that we think that institutes what God is doing. But let me tell you, God's been doing something in her life from the point he put her together. So, um, so that's what we said. Then you, They said that they realized that she's God's gift and that they're going to raise her in, in the church so that she can reach a point and accept God's grace for herself. And, and be not only their child, but their brother, in this case, their sister in, in Christ. And then uh, you guys said, hey, uh, you guys also said that if they drop the ball, you're going to get after them, okay? So, and then you guys said, hey, we are going to make sure that as members of this church, we're going to create that environment. So that if they or anyone else wants to go, want to go ahead and create that environment to raise them in the church, that you're going to do it, okay? All right, so that's what you said. Everybody feel good? Good, when Debbie's asking for Sunday school help, I'll, I'll, let you, I'll remind you of that, all right? All right, so you ready to come here to me? Come here, cutie pie. Hey there. Let's see that grin. You gonna smile? All right, come here. We think? She's like, what's happening? All right, here we go. Harper, Lynn, Aarons, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Hey, come here. Let me look at you. Ready? Here, come here. Let's do this. Ready? Jesus, draw me close. Close, oh Lord, to you. Let the world around me fade away. Jesus, draw me close. closer, oh Lord, to you. For I desire to worship, hey, and obey. What do you think? Let's take a walk. You want to go for a walk? Come on. Let's go here. Come on. You want to go see people? Can you see them? Can you wave hi? Say hi. Say (laughs) hi. We're going to take a little walk and see everybody here. Let everybody in the back see you. Wave. Can you say hi? She's like, "Where am I? I and mean, who are all these people?" We think. We think, honey. All right. So there you go. All right. So I'm gonna give you back to mom or dad or somebody here. Here we go, mom. All right. So um, as recognition of today, here we go. We have flowers, and uh, and then we also have a certificate, and then I'm gonna give you a copy of the service here. There you go. All right? All right, so guys, I know you want to get a hold of her. Um, don't rush them all off to church, but let's welcome them back. And as we do, our children can head to Sunday school, our Haven Kids Sunday School. All right, everyone. Let me see here. All right, everyone. Um I want you to be able to, I know there's some people that were waiting to fill in, you can go ahead and fill in the seats um, and we'll get started uh, further on. Isn't it great when we get to hold on to a, a baby and get to see babies and, uh, and they're, little, they're little and just, uh, it's awesome. We're like, we're like, around here we're like starting to grow the church the old fashioned way and you know, who knows after the last week's message there might be a lot more in nine months, who knows. All right, but if you weren't here last week, go ahead, look it up online, it's good. All right, a um, couple things that we want to touch on today, just to, number one, we want to welcome everybody, and thank you for being here, I want you to relax and just have a great time in the Lord, um, and if you did get a card, just fill that out, and we'd love for you to, to find out, um, to connect with you and to find out about what's, uh, what's going on um, in your life and be able to get information to you as well. Um, A couple other things you just want to look down through, the uh, uh, several announcements. I do want to touch on some things. Uh, The women's group, which meets Tuesday evenings at 6.30. The current study is All Things New, and the group is going to be meeting not at Dana's, but here at the church. And um, they have one more week of that, and then they're going to finish um, that. And then on um, March 12th, they're going to be beginning right here, same time. Uh, best Yes is the new uh, study that they are going to go ahead and, and begin and do. Uh, again, I want, I want you to check out Grief Share. Again, meeting um, here on Wednesdays at 6.30 to 8.30, and it's a great opportunity to connect. Um, you also have an insert. Uh, and one of, one of the things that I think is just awesome is, is our church is really so, so active in missions locally and globally. It's pretty awesome. And so um, one of the groups that we've been able to help is uh, Miriam's Table. And you can see the insert that is from here. And so this month, we will be partnering with uh, Miriam's Table to support the families uh, in, uh, in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And so there is a bread bank that you have, or what I used to call them, love loaves, if you're old like me. The love loaves. And they're out at the doors, is that correct, as you're heading out? You can grab one. You can fill it with change, check. Uh, I don't know, whatever, rob a bank, throw it in there, don't do that. Um, but whatever you want to do, that will go ahead and support the Ministry of Miriam's table, and Susie will be here with us, um, is it next week she's going to be here? So Susie's going to be here and share a little bit with us next week. So go ahead, take this, take one of those, uh, those bread banks or love loaf, and that'll be an awesome opportunity, and we'll fill it and we'll return it on the 24th. Again, please look at all the other announcements about the parish foundation fundraiser and other things. Prayer requests today: we have several. Um, Chad Wilcox has a friend, Joe, is in ICU with a severe case of pneumonia and on a lung bypass machine. Joanna Shea has asked for Jason and Donnie to guide them away from the demons of addiction. And Debbie has asked for prayers because Carolyn uh, Castillo is having surgery on March 6th. Uh, Carolyn's going to have surgery, and and so we're what. Eighth, Okay, eighth. So we want to lift that up. Jen Legullo asked for prayers for everyone impacted by the recent developments that have gone on in um, in the denomination of the United Methodist Church and others. And Robin Hildebrand asked for prayers for Carolyn Henson and Robin Hildebrand for their trip to Israel. Um, prayers for safe travels, good health, and blessings as they walk where Jesus walked. When are you leaving? Saturday. Saturday. So they will have an incredible time there I know that. So there is one thing I got a surprise today and um, and so she just wanted to say a couple brief words. Uh, if you're if you've been around here for a while you remember this face. Um, and here she is. Dot Logan. Anybody remember Dot? Say hey, you good dear. She just wanted to say hi and thank you. Please to meet everybody here today.
3: Part of you I don't know, part of you I remember. There you go. Anyhow, uh I'm stationed at Singerly Manor up in Elkton, and they're really great people. They have the best staff that there ever could be. They are caring and all that, and they teased me something awful. I don't know why, but they (laughs) did. (laughs) And, uh, oh, I wanted to ask your singing group if they would come to Singerly and play with us again. They came just before Christmas, and... I was supposed to get in touch with them, and I didn't do it, <laughs> as usual. So anyhow, we'd like to invite them to come up and, and join us. And there was a hundred, a hundred other things I thought about during the night. Well, I wasn't sleeping, but I forgot them now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, thanks, Dot. All right. <laughs> Dot and, uh, and Margie were some of the original people. They've been here and um, one of the greatest Bible studies I ever had was at Margie's house and Dot and Margie made food and it was like a, a feast for an army. It was awesome. So we had that. So we got we're we're thrilled. Margie's Calvert, and Margie's a Calvert. So we wanna so if you Okay, that's good. They, they keep, keep on in touch, so it's great to see people again. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Heavenly Father, we come to you once again, and we just thank you for, for great things. We thank you for just how awesome you are. We, we thank you for the giftedness of the people in this church. Father, I also want to thank you for, um, for just your answering prayers. You're answering your prayers for those who are sick, those who struggle with addiction, for those who face surgeries. Um, for those impacted by, by change in this world, and God, we thank you that you do not change ever. For those who are going on a trip that are going to walk in the same places that you did, God, help each of us just to grow closer and closer to you. For, for Dot, who, who um, is so faithful and just loving, and it's great to see her and have her here. For all things, God, you are an amazing Lord. Um, I just want to thank you for just who you are. And and um, just ask that you just bring your spirit even more, so that today as we deal with this concept of of conflict and how to fight well, that God you can go ahead and um, and just guide us, so that you can restore the relationships as we speak right here, right now. In your name, we pray. Amen.
3: Good morning. Our scripture this morning is from Song of Songs, chapter 5, verses 2 through 6, NIV. I slept, but my heart (coughs) was awake. Listen, my beloved is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night. I have taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I have washed my feet. Must I soil them again? My beloved thrust his hand through the latch opening. My heart began to pound for him. I arose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with flowing myrrh. On the handles of the bolt, I opened for my beloved. But my beloved had left. He was gone. (coughs) My heart sank at his departure. I looked for him, but did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer. This is the word of the Lord.
1: All right, welcome to week four, week four of Love Song. Are you enjoying this series? Were you scared at first? Everybody was scared last week, I think, so me too. All right, so um, this week, if you're joining us, we are doing a series in the book, The Song of Songs or Song of Solomon. What we know is Solomon um, was David, King David's son. And Solomon wrote some 1,005 songs that we know. And he called this his song of songs, the greatest song that he wrote. And it's a love song between him and his, the love of his life, this Shulamite woman. Let me look here and I'll show you some of the people, once again, that are talking in this. You have three people that continually come up. You have the lover, which is him. Um, Solomon the, the, uh, the man in this you have the beloved or in your Bible may say she she is a Shulamite maiden um, and then you have these other groups that are her like posse. They're her friends, and they are um, the daughters of Jerusalem, and they're kind of there in the midst of all this stuff. Now, last week, uh, through several of these weeks, we know that she has, up until last week, she spoke 75% of the time in this, and then it came to their honeymoon, and then he spoke a lot uh, at that point, and so we're going to unpack some of these things here. So, as we look at this series, uh, we've been through several different areas. Week one, we started talking about the attraction phase. We got into that, hey, you're looking good to me and how how they, she's attracted and he's attracted to her. Then we got into the dating kind of part, the courtship kind of avenue. Last week, we, and we skipped over one week because it was a short section they got married and last week we talked about um, their their honeymoon and how they how they got together uh, in that area and we, we talked about some of the unusual language that some of us we should never use um, for for our spouses but however we saw it and we got to unpack pack it we had a lot of fun everybody had fun last week with that okay great um, so and so we, we watched that and then um, we got into Today we want to talk about, it's kind of interesting to me, everything's all lovey-dovey. She's beautiful, he's beautiful, they're wonderful people. They are, they're dating, they get married, they have this great honeymoon night. And then chapter five, they have their first fight. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how to fight. So the goal is not to not fight. I want to start there. The goal is not to not fight. Because you got to fight. you got to have some arguments. But we want to know how to fight well. No matter how great your relationship is, you are going to end up in an argument. And I will tell you something. If you're new in a relationship, it will probably be over the dumbest things in life that you will have the biggest arguments. Am I right? Anybody ever had, had those kind of things? So we, we have some, some really, really dumb arguments, like whether it might be over the, the toothpaste. Um, I remember one time, Melissa and I, we were on vacation, and we were standing, we were on vacation, just the two of us, this was years ago, and we're sitting there, and as we're sitting there, I said something, imagine that, I said something, um, I said something, and she heard what I said, and what I said was ignorant, and so here we are in this paradise, and we're arguing and not talking. Isn't that stupid? Yeah, that's me. I'm stupid. Okay, so we have that. But it reminded me of of a story about a man who forgot his anniversary. Okay? I'm not going to ask for hands if that happened. Oh, let me go through the rules real quick. I better go through the rules or somebody's like, right? So the rules are this. Number one, number one. Look at this for you and not your significant other or someone else. Sorry if you just got elbowed. I forgot to get the rules. The second th- thing is this don't say, mm. don't text somebody and say, you really need to hear this. Or look at them and say, mm, and taking notes. No, no, not that. Um, and then also, the other thing is don't look back. Don't look back in the past. You can do nothing about it. Whatever you've done is done, it's gone. Let it be buried and move forward. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. Okay, so back to this man. This man, he forgot his anniversary. And his wife, let's say, was less than thrilled. Okay? And so she lit into him and she said, let me tell you something. If by tomorrow there is not in the driveway something uh, that goes from zero to 250, you better never come home. And I better see it tomorrow. She was ticked off so the next morning he got up left early for work and by the time she woke up there was a box in the middle of the driveway and she was a little confused so she walked out she picked it up she brought it in the house and she opened it up and it was a scale (laughs) just to let you know he ain't coming home let you know (laughs) All right, so sometimes, just a joke, okay, deal with it, all right. so But just sometimes in life, we make the arguments even worse, don't we? Don't we? Am I the only one who does this? I get paid to talk for a living, and so I, sometimes it's for good, sometimes it's not so good. All right, let's look at our, our scripture verse as we talk about hitting below the belt. Let's go ahead and look at our scripture verse for the series. Here it is here. Solomon, Song of Songs, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine let's look at the next part of this verse pleasing is the fragrance of your perfume when you walk into a room people just go wow All right, your name is like perfume poured out and she says this no wonder all my girls want you but you can't have him because he's mine isn't that a good verse that's a good verse that's been the, the series of the series theme and what we're trying to do here is we're trying to go ahead and see how we can do relationships better. Now, if you're not married or you're not in a relationship, you can apply many of these things, particularly today, to, um, to all relationships that you have. And so what we need to move to and what we really want to do is to have the faith that God can redeem or restore all things, even the most broken of relationships that we have. There are no lost causes, in here, particularly if we don 't look at this for somebody else with our rules, we look at it for me, and we aren't looking back because those areas happen now I want to give you three seasons of marriage that we have here, three different seasons, uh, and particularly with marriage, the first season is the honeymoon and that, anybody, honeymoon actually means sweet month because that 's about how long it takes, correct you have that sweet month of of a honeymoon, so I have a picture here from 1996. Okay, there's Melissa and uh, me, uh, me and Melissa. There we go. And, and Grant came in Grand Cayman, in the water. I don't know how we got that picture. <laughs> to tell you the truth, um, somebody probably took it. Um, but yeah, it's kind of odd, you know. I'm like, how the heck did that picture? Me? All right. Um, so anyway, we have that picture. There we are in the water, right there. It's crystal clear. It's awesome not a care in the world just uh, your your main job is you've been through the wedding you've been through all that you got an airplane and you could tell on the airplane it was back in the days when they would fly an airplane even if it wasn't full and so um the airplane was pretty empty because it was a sunday morning and flying from miami to grand cayman you could tell everybody was newlyweds because every couple was sitting right next to each other with an empty plane where now it'd be like i'm gonna go lay down in the back you can stay right am i right That's how we know. So there we were. We were in love. My ring was nice and shiny, and we were just like, there was no problems ever. We were together in marriage. Let me show you this other picture here. Here we go. Just to put in context, that is a place called hell. And yes, um, it's proved to be hell in Grand Cayman because I am wearing a fanny pack. Yes. (laughs) Um, so, So there you go. I am wearing a fanny pack. But look, even in hell... We are in heaven, right? Because we are newlyweds. Look at that grin on the face. Aren't we just, the world, I have some cheesy little mustache that goes on there. I got, look, I'm, I'm sporting the promise keeper's hat being a good husband. Look at that. There we are right there. It's a joyous, joyous thing even with the fanny pack. All right? So there we are. There we are just enjoying life. There's not a care in the world. We're loving each other, loving life. Our only choice is to get up and where to go and where's the sunscreen um, and all that kind of good stuff, and it's going to be perfect forever, right? And that happens about for that honeymoon, that perfect, sweet month. and you have that. So that's the first series of, of a marriage relationship. The next one goes to what they call disillusionment. All right? I don't have any pictures of that, okay? But, but this is where you have your conflict, okay? And we're going to have conflict, but we want to do it God's way. And one of the things that I find out, I remember there was one couple years ago, and one of the things, um, and I... We go through a, a lot of things. I do. A, I'm trained to do this program called Simbus now that I require everybody who gets married to go through, called Save Your Marriage Before It Starts. It's one of the best things I've ever ever done, and I wish I had it 30 years ago, um, but it's an incredible, incredible um, thing, and they also have another program that's um, additionally to it that I may offer, that I'm going to offer pretty soon to the whole church, um, for those who are married, called Deeper Love, um, and it goes through the same things. and they put all, they do these kind of information, and it puts it in a whole pamphlet and a whole report, and I get to talk about it, it's awesome, but one of the things I like to talk about in, in uh, premarital counseling or things is how do you fight, and remember, there's one couple, probably about 15 years ago that said she looked across to me and they looked at each other and said oh we don't fight and I put my stuff down I said well let's get started right now because it's going to happen and I and it was a I was afraid because and you know honestly it's, it's interesting there was an argument before they got married and they never got married it's very fascinating but they did not know how to how to fight anybody married here been married do you have any arguments in life Okay, all right, yeah, so it happens. It happens. So what we want to do here, we want to go ahead and we, we want to know how to fight well. And we need to have the skills to do that. There was a woman and her husband who had problems, and they had problems with trust. And, and it had reached a point that they would say things to each other, and there was anger, but they were still together. And so one night she was uh, working, and she wasn't expected to come home, and so she came home uh, late at night Um, because they sent her home, and she went into the bedroom and looked, and she saw four legs into the covers instead of her husband's two legs. She grabbed a nearby baseball bat and began to hit the covers as hard as she could. When she did, she finished, she went into the kitchen, like overwhelmed about what happened, and there she was shocked to see her husband sitting, reading a magazine. And he said, hi, darling, how are you? She couldn't say anything, and he said... Your parents made a surprise visit, so I told them they could have our bed. You should stop and say hello. <laughs> it's a joke. Go with me here, okay? They're not all good. Everybody's just disillusioned. What I'm saying is there are times in life where we enter into a point from the honeymoon that we enter in disillusionment, and because we don't know how to communicate with each other, we end up getting worse and worse, and it not only hurts us, but it hurts those around us when we don't take that, particularly mom and dad. Go with it, all right? All right. The next phase I'm going to talk about a lot next week, and it's this one, commitment, commitment. We're going to talk about that. How do we make that lifelong commitment? And we're going to spend a lot of time here. That's our goal, and we want to stay there. So I want you to um, write this down. These are the first blanks. But healthy conflict leads to healthy relationships. And I'm going to say this in every relationship. When you have healthy conflict, you have healthy relationships. How many of you have siblings? Anybody have any conflict with your siblings? course you do so if you do resolving it is the good thing you need the skills to go ahead and do that so today this is our goal our goal and and song of songs talks about this a matter of fact there are eight chapters in the song of solomon or song of songs and it's so important conflict that two of them are dedicated to conflict isn't that amazing we think it's just all lovey-dovey gushy gushy and here we go two of them are related to conflict that we have here. And there are three stages of a healthy conflict that I want to look at this. The, the first one is this. The fight. The fight. It be, all fights begin with tension, disagreement, whether um, miscommunication or something. There is some kind of conflict or some kind of tension that occurs there. And so let's look at what she says here. In, um, and see what's going on here in Song of Songs 5.2. And she says... I slept, but my heart was awake. How many many of you have ever been bothered by something and you just lay in bed just thinking about it? I slept, but my heart was awake. And then all of a sudden as she's there, she hears, listen, my beloved is knocking. And then he says this. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one, boy. As he's spreading it on thick, is not he? Somebody did something, didn't he? So here he goes. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of night. Stop. Let me tell you what's going on here. Let's say they've had that honeymoon phase for a while, and she says, "You know what? Why don't you go out with your buddies? You haven't you haven't been out with them in a while." I said, "Okay, well I'll go, hun- honey bunch, but I just you know I'm just gonna miss your goat hair for a while and." <laughs> Let Go last week, you'll get it. Um, I'm just going to miss that and uh, and I'm, I'm going to miss those as uh, you have all those teeth. Um, but I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to go out with them. It's, I'm only going to be gone for maybe an hour or so. See I'm familiar, anyone? All right? Then, in the wee hours of the morning, or in the late in the evening, the dew is already there, he ain't home. She ain't happy. So she goes and lays down, but she's worried, because this is the first big conflict. He comes home, and he remembers last week, okay? And he's like, hey, honey, hey, darling, open up the door, honey bunches, goat hair, beautiful teeth, eye doves. He's putting it on. He's had a good time. He's coming in. He's like, hey. You know, our, she is not happy, am I right? Not happy in the least. He's kissing up my darling, my dove, my... Bear, all right whatever it is and so when situations like this happen he has two choices one is to come and say I am so sorry I lost track of time please forgive me I swear I should have called I should have texted, I should have done something I, I should have sent a carrier pigeon something I should have done something I'm really really sorry right the other one is to act like nothing has happened and that's what he chose, and he chose unwisely, <laughs> right here, because you can see what happens. So he finds out the door is locked, and with the door locked, he's knocking on the door. And let's review her over the last three weeks, what she said about this love of her life. She said in week one, strengthen me with raisins. Remember we said they believe raisins were an aphrodisiac. Oh, strengthen me with raisins. And she said, his left arm is underneath my head. His right arm embraces me. Oh, they were close, weren't they? Week two, she said, oh, until the day breaks and the shadows flee, turn to me, my beloved. Be like a gazelle, or my favorite term, like a young stag on the rugged hills. She loves her man, right? Last week, she said, Blow on my garden. Let my beloved come into his garden and taste the choice fruits. Here I am, sweetie. Come get me, right? Now, this week, let's see what she says. He's knocking on the door. Honey bunches, open the door. cause it's locked. And look what she says here. Here we go. I have taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I have washed my feet. Must I saw them again? Let me tell you what she's saying. Uh-uh. I ain't getting out of this bed. You must be out of your full mind if you think I'm opening that door for you and those selfish, smooth words. Ain't working. In Hebrew, it's translated, I got a headache. (laughs) Right? That's what we got here. He's had this great, fun night with no regard for what he promised her, And he says, honey, I'm home. It's Romeo. And she said, Juliet ain't answering. She's not having any of it, right? Not having any of it at all. So there are two causes of conflict that we really need to look at. And I want you to ask yourself, what is it for me? What is the biggest issue of conflict in my life? Number one is unmet expectations. You see, what did she expect of him this evening? Expected him to be home and she's not happy he expects her to be like she was before and when he comes in anytime to say hi young stag up on the hills not happening not happening at all you see they are not on the same page with their expectations you see she may you know it might be a couple weeks into the marriage and it's been the honeymoon phase and then something breaks and she looks to him and says well my dad used to fix everything He's like, wrong person, right? Or he may come home and sit down and say, what's for dinner? And she says, I've been working all day. You, what is for dinner? And he said, well, my mom. Oh, and you say, well, you can go home to your mom then, right? Or um, she might expected more talking, and he may expected more intimacy, or vice versa. And so what we have, in every relationship, we have un. Met expectations. We have these expectations of what we're supposed to have. Somebody may be in the marriage 15 years and say, this is not what I thought marriage was going to be. They told me that for years I was going to go ahead and it was going to be like that fairy tale thing and he was going to be my Prince Charming. But he he's more like Shrek, right? <laughs> right? And so you may feel that way in the midst of this. And she may say, she may uh, he may go ahead and say, well, I thought she was just going to, Always think I was just beautiful. And she may say, you haven't done the honey-do list for three years. I am not happy with you. Right? And so there's this unmet expectations that we have. And so when you maybe get 15 or 20 years in it, and you may go ahead and feel like, oh, well, we met, we're just staying together for the kids. Or maybe you go ahead and then you, you look at this whole thing and say, I don't know what's going on here. The second thing is this, self-centeredness. He did what was good for him, comes home. He's interested in some loving. She was inconvenienced, and she was mad, and she was not to the door. And she leaves him out there. Some of us may think that we need to talk more. Some of us may think, I went shopping because I needed it, and I'm going to lie to him about what I bought or how much it was. I'm just going to twist it a little bit here. And, I, and they're just Selfish. And selfishness can be a root of this kind of thing. And so uh, just a note to anyone who's dating and is always fighting. Don't believe that if you get married, it's going to get better. There's a lot of people say, oh, well, we'll get married and it'll be better. No. Okay. There will be days where you will look at them and say, you won't look at them in that loving honeymoon wedding day thing. You'll look at them and go, who are you and who has possessed my wife or my husband? Am I right? You're completely different. You never did that before. Or some people say, oh, we're having problems in marriage. Let's get married and have a kid. That'll be better, and we'll make it marriage glue. And that doesn't always work out. Some people say, we're completely broke, so let's go on a, on a world tour and talk about it. Not the right thing to do. Because guess what? When you get home, it's going to be there, and it's going to be worse. Look at what he says here, and pay attention to these un, the, how, how they're working this out. My beloved thrust his hand through the latch opening. That doesn't mean he pounded through the door and, he was ticked, and there was a latch opening. And my heart began to pound for them. Stop. Wasn't she just saying, I am not getting out of bed. I'm not dirtying my feet. You must be crazy. And all of a sudden, she hears him like reaching through the latch trying to maybe get it open. And her heart goes, boom, 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 boom. Now I've tried to find every theological reason for that. But the best thing is, I'm going to give you what happened. She changed her mind. <laughs> That's all she did. She changed her mind right here. And so she changed her mind. Her heart is pounding. And she arose for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers flowing myrrh on the handles of the bowl. What was he doing? He wasn't reaching in to try to force himself in because he knew he had messed up at this time. He's getting some sense right now. In the ancient world, what they would do is they would put myrrh ...on the handle for the bride as a gift, as a pleasing fragrance to say, hey, somebody who loves you more than life has been here. And so when they go and grab the door, they would have that smell and they remind them of their beloved. So she's starting to turn her heart a little more to him. And now she reaches on the door and she says, ah. She's starting to change what she thinks about him. All right? All of a sudden... It's beginning to change. So look what she says. She said, I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had what? Left. He was gone. My heart sank at his departure. I looked for him, but did not find him. I called for him, and he did not answer. What we see a lot of times is over a small disagreement, it can harm a relationship in a powerful way. Matter of fact, I'm not going to read the rest of this, but she goes on and the watchmen make fun of her verbally and there's even this kind of physical deal. So a lot of times something small, if we don't manage it properly in the way we have conflict, it can devastate and harm the relationship more than we ever could imagine. So we have it here. It's interesting to me that the Bible picked such a lame argument to put in here in the midst of this love song. Isn't this ridiculous? You know, kind of ridiculous that we have here? But I think it's awesome because one of the things we need to recognize, and this is something, our spouse is not our enemy. Let me say that again. Somebody needs to get that. Our spouse is not our enemy, and we're not fighting for victory, but we need to be fighting for resolution because we are our team. We are put together. I started to do some research, and I found the 10 things that um, spouses talk about. And Um, Here are some some of the ones that were listed. Number 10 was the past. Number 9 was politics. Number 8, religion. Number 7, jealousy. Number 6, priorities. Number 5, time. Number 4, intimacy. Number 3, children. And really close, depending on where you look, one or two happens to do with money, And communication. Isn't it interesting that those are the things that usually if they're done well can bring us together more than anybody has ever been. But when they're done wrong, they can divide us and split us up more than anybody ever has. And so she opens and he's gone and her heart sinks. And I want to tell you, communication is so important because in the middle of a fight there's not really much that's productive. Am I right? When you're right in the middle in the heated moment, there's not much that's productive. So at that moment, you have a choice. And here's your choice. The choice is to recognize, number one, that we are in a spiritual battle. What do you say, Jack? No, I'm in a battle with them. No, we are in a spiritual battle because even in the marriage ceremony, we say those whom God has joined, let no one separate. And so if arguments are done improperly, that is a great tool of Satan to separate individuals. And so what we see here is when we argue to be right over to bring resolution, pride enters the deal. Sometimes we've been in arguments and sometimes people have been in arguments that we worry more about being right even if we know we're wrong than we do about the resolution. And so we see that. And so what we see is when we have pride that what I said and and, and you don't understand what I'm and me and I'm it, we're more worried about us than what the situation is about. Has anybody ever gotten into an argument so much that you even forgot what you started to argue about? And then it starts to go everywhere else. So the choice is to allow humility to combat pride. When we do that. We can, and here's what I'm going to tell you. You cannot wait. I have dealt with so many people, whether it's in marriage or family or friendships, that say, well, if they come and apologize first, then I'll start. If they say to me first, I'm going to tell you something. It ain't going to happen. The scripture does not say, if, some, if you have something against your brother, wait for them to come to you in love. No, it says, you go to them in love. That's the word of God, whether we like it or not. And guess what? Sometimes I really don't. Because there are moments that I have been right in my life. I have been more than right. And when I'm going into an argument, whether it's friends or whether it's um, people in the church or whether it's supervisors or whether it's my spouse, that I am right, sometimes I'll just say, hey, this is ridiculous. Let's get to the point of this. Because it's not worth the cost that comes if we continue to fight wrongly. All right? And so... The choice is to bring and allow humility to combat pride. We cannot wait for somebody else to do that. If we do, we are unbiblical. Look at what happens here when she says that she goes looking for him. Look at this verse. She and her posse. My beloved is radiant and ruddy, outstanding among 10,000. His head is purest gold. His hair is wavy and black as a raven. His eyes are like doves by the streams of water washed in milk mounted like jewels let's keep going look what she says his cheeks are like beds of spice yielding perfume his lips are like lilies dripping with myrrh what is she doing it is a very dangerous thing that she's in right now she's surrounded by his friends and say let me she could even said let me tell you he said he was going to be home "Mm, get another man he ain't worth it he ain't worth it he he said everything was wonderful now look at him Now, look what he's doing. No, she went back to what she loved about him more than anything. She decided and made a choice I am going, I'm not going to let Satan get a stronghold in this relationship. I am going to bridge the gap. She went looking for him rather than waiting for him to come home. She said, I'm sad because I know he's left and I'm looking and I'm looking and I'm looking. And here's the thing, she doesn't know what he's doing, but look what he's doing. He's doing the same thing. He says to himself, you are beautiful as Tirzah. My darling, as lovely as Jerusalem, as majestic as troops with banners. Turn your eyes from me. They overwhelm me. He's back there. And then he's not very creative. Maybe he thought she was in earshot, and he goes right back to the things that worked last week. Look at this. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from Mount Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep coming from the washing. And each one is all there. Praise God, right? That's what he says. He's going back to the most intimate time they had in the midst of the first conflict that they have you see what i want you to have today is not only knowledge but i want you to have something practical i want you to have some application and they're simple but they can be transformative so there's three areas of resolutions to conflict that we have here number one we need to respond and not react you say jack what is the difference here when we respond, it's after we let the Holy Spirit lead us. There have been several times that I've been in arguments and discussions where I have done the wrong thing. And as I said, I talk for a living. I know how to do it. I know how to speak. I know, I know how to speak. I think, well, you may think, not today. Um, but who knows? But when I speak, I also know how to cut people apart very well. I can go ahead and surgically harm people if I want to. And it's something I'm not proud of, but it's something I've done in my life, often to the people that are closest to me. Early on in our marriage, Melissa would say, you're mean. I said, I'm not mean, but I was. And at times, I still can be, because I know what to say to hurt people. Okay? Anybody been there with me? That you feel like there's nothing else you can do, and you start, boom, hitting the darts. The things that hurt them the most. Right? So we respond by the Holy Spirit. I've learned for the Holy Spirit to get locked jaw on Jack's mouth. It is a good thing. Because I could have got in a lot more dis- um, issues in my life. Yes. And then the other thing is react. Most of us, why do I say those things? Why have I done that at times? Because I reacted in the flesh, in me. I reacted, what was happened to me was greater than what was happening in the situation. Solomon could have said, honey, bunch, open the door. She said, I ain't getting out of this bed. He could have gone, boom, kicked in that door said, honey, I'm home, deal with it. Right? But he didn't. He didn't. And I think that's just a true Holy Spirit thing. In Romans chapter 12, it says this, do not overcome evil by evil, but overcome evil with good. Why in marriage... Is the one place where we feel like it's OK to criticize our spouse? I, I challenge you to name a relationship in your life that is better by criticism. Like, if the boss criticizes you all day, do you go home and say, "Wow, I feel so close to my boss?" If your best friend criticizes you every time you're together, do you say, "I am so glad you're my best friend. I, I don't know what I do without you." No. I've had coaches in my life that all they did was belittle me. And just to let you know, I still can't stand them to this day. There was nothing productive in that. When they, when they, and, and I'm not saying they attacked my, my play or whatever else. They attacked me. There's a difference. And you guys all know the ones that attack you. And when they, and when they do that, it's something that I decided I was never going to do as a coach. Never attack the individual. If you stunk, I was going to tell you why you stunk. Okay, but I was never going to attack you, and I would be there uh, for you. And to this day, I have grown men that come up to me and say, hey, coach, because we have that relationship. To this day, I still have those people who belittled me that I see them today, and I'm like, "Mm, I ain't calling them a coach in my head, just letting you know. All right? So why do we think we have the need to do that with our spouses? Men, the scripture tells you to love them, not to be harsh, be considerate. To treat with respect and to love and cherish. Women are taught to love and respect them. To honor them. And this whole topic that has been one of those for years, you're supposed to mutually submit. Because guess what? I've heard people say marriage is give and take. But no, marriage is give and give. Because if you're mutually submitting to each other, nobody needs to take anything. We're a team. Like when I was young, I used to watch pro wrestling. A lot. Right? Pro wrestling. Pro wrestling. I mean, we're talking about even the days before the incredible, the immortal Hulk Hogan, right? But that was in there. And what I would do is, Jill's going to laugh now. What I would do is I would get her and I'd put her in a sleeper hold. Never put her asleep, But I'd make her give the give up signal. Right? This is the give up signal. Everybody help me out here. If people are watching online, they'll think we're having a Pentecostal fit. Hallelujah, all right? All right. So... But I, I, I do it when we were wrestling. I say, give to give up. single you'll just be like, okay, get off me. Right? That kind of thing. And somehow we, we enter in our battles like this. Like we're waiting for somebody to give up. Why don't we both just give up so we can go together and move on and move forward? You see, so often, so often, again, we, you know, never in the scripture does it say, God, pray for God to change, or, or to get God. Your goal is to change your spouse. The goal is... For God to change you, and you pray for God to work in them. Because here's what happens. When you, when you pray for God for you, when you get God, you say, God, change me. Make me love them more. Make me do this more. Make me do that. And you pray for somebody else, it changes you, and it changes the situation. Even if they never change, God can change your heart toward them. I know that sounds weird, but I try it out if you don't believe it. There's a great, uh, look what it says in Philippians chapter 4, because what we need to do is focus on the good, not the negative. On the good, not the negative. That's our next blank here. The good, not the negative. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, says this. Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The great Ruth Bell, who was married to Billy Graham, was asked one time by a reporter because Billy Graham, during his service for Christ, traveled some seven plus months out of the year. And a reporter said to them, how do you stand it? Isn't it horrible that he has to travel all that time? How could you possibly, um, isn't it bad that he's only home and always on the road? And she had the perfect opportunity. But what she said was this, let me tell you, five months with Billy Graham is worth more than 12 months with any other man on earth. You see, she knew who he was to her. He was her young stag all the way through, through the life. What we see is we need to focus on the good. In Song of Songs 5, 10 through 16, she focuses on the good. He does as well. And I want to tell you something. No one, everybody say no one. No one will meet 100% of your expectations. No one ever will. And guess what? Let's say they meet 80%. One of the biggest challenges that we have in, in broken marriages anymore is that people have 80%, let's just give it good, say they have 80% of what is awesome, but people begin to focus on that 20% in someone else. And time after time after time, I've seen people trade in the 20% for the 80%, and then they realize, oh my gosh, what have I done? Look for the good and fall in love with that person all over again. And number three, talk and don't walk. What Solomon did right, he did not kick in the door or pound on the door or escalate the situation. What he did wrong, walked away when the issue was still on the table. There's a, I'm, I'm going to show you something right now. Men, now when men usually argue with other men, there's kind of some unspoken rules. Okay? Like if there's a fist fight, there's unspoken rules. Right? With your spouse there's no rules. And so I can tell you, ready, here you go. I'm going to show you when you are giving up and retreating, man. Ready? Watch me. Here we go. Everybody looking? Did you see it? Let me show you. Head to the back, eyes rolled up. You are retreating. There's nothing else you can do. So just to let you know, and it works the other way too, when you see the eyes like this or the huff, they are, you are retreating. You don't know what to do at that point. Stop. And refocus, stop and refocus. This is, what, this is what happens many, many times. We retreat. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 4. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Foothold actually means a spot or it actually means occupancy. Do not let Satan have occupancy. It says, do not go to bed angry. That is one of the the best statements ever. And some of you have done this before, where you've had a fight, and here is the fighting position when you go to bed angry. Back to back, fight for the covers. And And there's always one who's a huffer. Right? And there's the other one who you think is dead that doesn't make a sound. Just to let you know, I'm the huffer. <laughs> Just to let you know, Melissa is not. <laughs> and when you are arguing with someone, and I'm vocal and arguing, and you argue with your spouse, and they shut down, it drives you even more bad, doesn't it? And that's what happens. And so you can have these uh, situations. Why not when the sun goes down? Why? Why? Why not... Do not go to bed on your anger. I'm going to tell you why. Because guess what happens? You eventually fall asleep. You get up. You start your day. You go and do your stuff. You still have that resentment. You still have that unresolved issue. You go about your stuff. You come home. You're too tired to deal with it. You just go back to things. thing. You live life. Things get better until the next time you have an argument. And guess what? That comes back up. And you keep piling on, keep piling on. And before you know it, the little things become powder kegs. All right? Become powder cakes. So guess what? If you have to stay up for three days, it'll teach you not to argue that way anymore, and you can get to the right. Um, so you need to do that. The next thing that we have here is intentionally listen. How do we do that? How do we do these things? We intentionally listen. What, how do we intentionally listen? Be attentive. So often in my life, I had to really learn because often when I was in a discussion or an argument with my wife or with somebody else, I was already thinking. I was. I said I was listening to her, but what I was really doing is processing enough so I could go ahead and get my next statement out. Anybody in that boat with me? Okay. That's no good. That's no good. Actively listen. 70% of what's said in conflict is not even heard is what they've done studies on. So allow time for processing. Some of you, this is one of the things that I found out with certain people. Certain people, when they get married, some people are very verbal, and they want stuff done like this, and they need it done here, and they'll say something. Why aren't you reacting? Come on, move. Check your pulse. Come on, move, move, move. And some of you are just geared that you will hear something, but you need to process it a little bit. And you will drive each other absolutely insane. But if you know that about each other, you can go ahead and allow time for that. Next thing you need to do is when you listen, you need to seek to understand. You need to really understand what's being said. And, to, and, and judgment, understanding begins when judgment is withheld. So we need to ask our questions for understanding. What, what I'm hearing you say is this. Okay? Be ready to go to that. These are both internal. But when we get to this third one, it's this. Verbally validate someone. Verbally validate. Perception is reality. Remember, this maiden started in saying, he said, I'm beautiful. She said, I'm not beautiful. I work outside. My skin's cracked. I'm falling apart. Why do you say I'm beautiful? And he says, no, 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 you are gorgeous. And he began to validate who she was in the physical. We need to stop when we're arguing and validate what each other's saying, even if we don't agree with that. Because your perception is your reality, whether you like it or not. And I've sat with two people who have been in the same house, who are at World War III, and as they sat there, you would not know that they're in the same house because the perceptions are completely different, and they're both real because that's where they're both starting. And somehow you've got to get to the middle here, right? And then this one, resolve to empathize. Only God can do this. You choose to walk in someone else's shoes. You need to find out what's important to them. Walt Whitman, many of you have gone over his bridge But Walt Whitman said this once. He said, I do not ask the wounded person how he feels. I myself become the wounded person. Walk a little bit in someone's shoes. See things from their side and it'll help. James chapter 1, verse 9. We're almost done here. Hang in here a little bit more. And then you can go fight all you want. All right? Here we go. James chapter 1 gives us this method for battle. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone, everybody say everyone. Should be quick to what? Listen, slow to speak and slow to become. Now, if your life is like mine, usually it is I am quick to speak, slow to listen, and even quicker to become angry. Anybody else? And that is against God's word. Let me show you what it says in the message version because I love this translation. Here we go. Post this at all intersections. In other words, any place you are in life. Post this at all intersections, dear friends. Lead with your ears. Follow up with your tongue and let anger straggle along in the back. Is that going to change the way your relationships are? If you lead with your ears and then let your mouth follow by what you hear and let the anger sit way, way back, it changes life. It changes relationships. And so what's the third thing here, Jack, that we're going to talk about as we wrap this up? The third thing is this, the reconciliation. I want to be committed to the reconciliation. You see, now we can grow past all the stuff and we can get to where God wants to be. God is a restoring God. Isn't that why he sent Jesus? To restore us from sin and death? Reconciliation only occurs when your, um, only doesn't occur when your pride is more important than God's call on your life. I want to say that again. Reconciliation only does not occur when your pride is greater than God's call on your life. And so look at what happened here at the, as we finished their little battle up here. She went on a search, and she's thinking, is there any hope? Is there any chance for restoration? And look what she says here. I went down to the grove of nut trees to look at the new growth in the valley to see if the vines had budded or the pomegranates were in bloom. She continues on. Before I realized it, my desire, that's him, set me among the chairs of the royal chariots of my people. What's this mean here? It means that the royal chariots were free and unhindered. She was bound by this argument. And so she goes down looking for him, seeing if there's any chance of growth and restoration. And he meets her, and he says this. The other thing is, when they put them in a chariot together, it was showing for the first time, first time that we have recorded, we are together, and nothing is going to stop us. And we are honored together, and this relationship is honored. It is the first time in public together. Whatever arguments, whatever situation you're going through, I want to tell you, I'm gonna give you the biggest hint as the worship team comes up. The biggest hint and the biggest thing here is to start with rule number one. Look at yourself. I would dare say that many of the arguments and fight is because if you really look into your life, you are not being the person that God called you to be. That's simple. I know when I've had some of the biggest knockdown, drag-out fights and the biggest arguments with my wife or other people, it often centers because I'm worried more about myself and worried more about being right than I am about what God wants in this situation. So start with yourself and take a good hard look. And you have a choice at that moment when you have this conflict. You have the same choice Solomon did when he's knocking on the door. You can be repentant and and receive forgiveness if it's offered and work through it. Or you can act like nothing happens and continue doing the same pattern. It's your choice to go ahead and figure out there. We have spent a lifetime of hitting each other below the belt. Let's have a new nature. All right? Sound good? Everybody stand up. Punch the person next to you. No, just joking. Okay. All right. Everybody stand up. And as um, we're letting this last worship song, just worship the Lord. And I want to challenge you. Yes, I do want to challenge you. To go ahead and focus on the Lord. Ask God. Say, God, you know my relationships. You know my marriages. You know all these things. And you know where they're good, where they're bad, they're indifferent. You know where I have failed you. You know where I need, where you need more from me. But the gospel is all about restoration. And so I ask you to just lift up in, in your head right now. Lift up your spouse if you're married. Lift up your boyfriend or your girlfriend if you're not married. Lift up a friend or another or maybe a relative or relationship that's not so good that God wants you to wants restoration what is in the way of that what area in you is keeping you from God's restoration Jesus I mean, we're told very significantly that we need even in the big prayer help us forgive others as we have been forgiven by you the scripture says that if you hold resentment towards someone else that God won't grant forgiveness to you if you hold unforgiveness to somebody else. That's one of those verses I don't like because I've been wronged by a lot of people. But guess what? It's not about me. It's not about me at all. It's about Him. It's about the glory of God. So if you have to take a a little, you have to take a little, hey, sorry, and you have to take a little self back in order to get God connected to somebody, in order to make a relationship better for Him and for you, do it. You don't, have, you don't have to be bosom buddies with the person, but what you do have to do is forgive. Forgive and love them as Christ loved. Them. So start here. God, I just pray that in the sound of my voice right now, that we're not just dismissing this and saying this is a good story about these two and about this ridiculous fight that they had long ago. But God, it's more than that. It's about It's, it's about our relationships now that we need to apply this to our relationships. How can we be in service to you? How can we call on you when our relationships are a wreck because of how we are acting? Where is Christ in me in those relationships that are filled with conflict? That are filled with with destruction? Where are they seeing Jesus in me? Is my spouse seeing it? Is my boyfriend or my girlfriend? Are my best friends? Is my boss? all those people in my world are they seeing Jesus in me? And if not i got to start with me. And so what I'm going to do, God, is I'm going to get right with you. Right here today, I can't do anything about what I did in the past. I can't beat myself up anymore. But today's a new day, and I'm going to start doing it right. And so, God, as I start doing this right, I'm going to pray for those that aren't going to receive it well. I'm going to leave them up to you. But, God, you're going to change my heart toward them. And you're going to make all things new. I love you, God, and I'm sorry, and I praise you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.
4: So I always wonder why God gives me certain songs to sing, and this one is just about building on a firm foundation, so. And I was listening to Jack talk, and I was thinking about, you know, it's so true because, you know, we, we build our lives and our, our lives around our relationships and Jesus and church, and sometimes the foundation is just not there, you know, so if we build, if we build something on top of a firm foundation, it falls down, what can we do? We can rebuild it, right? It's, it's still repairable. You still get back to what it was before. So this song is just about building our life on a firm foundation and just, we can, we can start that today if we, ha- if we have to, you know, sometimes we, we, we don't know if it is firm, but just that foundation and and build on it. Let's get their voices together this morning. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise ever breathe, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you, oh Jesus. Jesus, the name above every other name, Jesus, the only one who could ever save worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you yeah
1: cool is that that what we're just saying is um is that we want to go ahead and build our life on that firm foundation that's what this whole series is about building relationships the way remember that god's way is better and that's what we're kind of trusting here next week we're going to wrap up the series okay we're going to wrap this up and we're going to talk about making it last also after that series we're going to get in um this uh this wednesday is ash wednesday So um, we are going to be getting, after next week, we're going to be heading toward the cross and we're going to be having, we have a a message series called um, Last Words. And so um, we're going to talk about some of the last words of Christ and that'll get us up, yes, to Easter. Believe it or not, we're already talking about Easter. Think about that as that snow falls today and you begrudgingly love that. So before you leave, say hello to somebody and I pray, I pray, God was telling me just today that we'll maybe call somebody and reach out and restore a relationship. Have a great week. God bless.